0: Welcome to the Well SGV podcast. We exist to multiply followers of Jesus rooted in the gospel who worship, walk, and witness to God's glory. Here's our message for the week. Uh story of Adam and Eve. There was more than that just happened that they got kicked out of this paradise. And they ate from this fruit. And we know these stories. And I'll kind of unpackage it for you. But I want you to have look at it in a different perspective. You know, in the book of Matthew in chapter 2, there's a story that only Matthew tells about the Magi. These group of men. We don't know if there was three of them. You guys know that there there could have been more, right? The reason there's always three of them in the little uh, nativity scene is because there was three gifts. So they thought there was three of them that came. But I think there was about 40 or 50 of them, in my opinion. Right? they don't travel lightly, right? When you're, especially if you're coming, it says they came from the east. So the, we don't know much about these Magi. The Traditionally, we call them the wise men. Uh, but the Magi, uh, if you that term, usually it, it reminds me of when Daniel was exiled to Babylon, and uh, he served under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he was a, a type of Magi. He was actually trained in the ways of Babylon, which was astrology, of science, and he learned under that, and him being a Jew who learned under those things, and also had the anointing of God over him, became ruler over those people he taught. So uh, there's a, a, a you know a lot of biblical scholars think that Daniel also presented a lot of the Old Testament scriptures to these scholarly men, and they had this in 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 their study of part reading. So these guys who are not Jews, who are not Pharisees or Sadducees. Suddenly look at the stars, and as they were astrologers, and they saw the movements because they know that God spoke through the firmaments. And they begin to see the star that's begin to move. And they read through the, and they found the scripture and said, Wow, there's going to be a king born in Bethlehem. Uh, they don't know exactly where, but a king of the Jews is going to be born. So they follow the star and they come. We know the story. Where they come to Herod and say, hey, uh, where is this king? And Herod gets worried because he's the, the leader at the time. He's like, what are you talking about? And he, t- he asks his Pharisees, I mean, his, uh, uh, his scholars say, hey, find out what's going on. Where is the king of the Jews going to be born? And they say, well, in Micah it says that he's going to be born in the town of Bethlehem. So... He goes. He goes to the magi. He says, hey, uh, if you find him, you know, tell me so I can go and worship him too. But his idea is, I'm going to go take this guy out. He's my rival, right? So the magi find him, and you know, it's funny because the magi is the only one that says, "Who? Where's the king that's going to be born? Not a Messiah, not a Savior." But it says, "Where's the king?" Interesting, right? But we know that there's two aspects to our Lord Jesus Christ that He was both the Lamb but he's also the lion. And I think for a lot of times when we come to the Lord, and this is kind of, I think the enemy plays this game with us, that, yeah, the, 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 the meek side of Jesus, the lovely side, and who hugs the children, and, you know, heals the sick, and does all those good things. But there's another side of Jesus where he talked with the Pharisees, and he was very sharp with them. And we know, and I'll talk about this at the end, when Jesus comes back, and Jesus is coming back, to, to get his bride, his, uh, his body of Christ. He's going to come and get us, right? And I just went to a marriage, and I saw that uh, Jesus is going to wait, and we at the body the perfected bride walking down the aisle to meet our bridegroom. It's going to happen. I'm waiting for that day. I'm praying for that day. But Jesus is not going to come back as this meek little baby like he did in the first time. He's going to come back in the pomp and circumstance that he deserves as the king. And he's going to come with some forces. And we sometimes forget that aspect of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he came as a king to reestablish something that had been broken. That he gave over to Adam and Eve as a steward that they should have done. But yet in their disobedience relinquished that authority to Satan. And thus you see the result in our world today. So Jesus did not only come to reestablish our relationship with the Lord and to save us from our eternal damnation of separation from God of what Adam and Eve. He came also to reestablish the kingdom of God that was broken in the relationship that was broken between Adam and Eve and God the Father. And let me unpack this stuff for you a little bit. Um, if, you got, uh, if you look at Isaiah 9, 6 through 7... Uh, There's an interesting part about uh, the the prophecy that uh, Isaiah gives of the coming Jesus' birth. Uh, And uh, it says in uh, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, For uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government... And peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know, Jesus taught more on the concept of kingdom of God than any other topic when he was on the earth. You guys know that? The second was money. But the concept of the kingdom of God, Jesus begins to take. And when did this begin to happen? Um, well, when do you guys remember when uh, Jesus comes to John the Baptist and to be baptized? And uh, what does John say? Uh, what's his declaration? Behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Right? Awesome declaration. Remember John when the Baptist was here to pave the way to... Prepare our hearts to receive the, the Christ who was to come. And so he, and he says, Jesus says, I need, you need to baptize me. He said, no, 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 what do you mean? You need to baptize me. How, how can I, I can't even hold your sandals. And Jesus said, no, this is the way it should be. And we know that John baptizes him. Jesus comes out of the water. And we know the anointing of the Holy Spirit like a dove lands on him. And then the voice of the Father cries out. He says, this is my beloved son whom I love. I'm well pleased with them. Now, up to this point in Jesus' life, he has done nothing of ministry at all. He has not healed a single person, has not raised a person from the dead. He has not preached a message. He was just a carpenter's son. From that moment on, when Jesus uh, begins to go, uh, it says in the Word of God that he begins to preach this in, go to it. Uh, Mark 1, 14-15, after John uh, was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, uh, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Why does Jesus say this? Because now in the coming and the anointing, right, the anointed one, Christ, uh, in, in, as he's now launched into his earthly ministry— he begins to preach that the kingdom is near. And he says, repent. And he says, uh, believe the good news. Now, the good news, we know, includes salvation. I've mentioned that. But the, the part of the fullness of that good news is Jesus came to restore the kingdom of God here on earth. And do you remember when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray? The beginning of that prayer says what? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is not just that he saves us and takes away us from this world. I think we have it all wrong. A lot of us are waiting to be just raptured away. Let's just, just hold on and survive. And then you know God's going to wish us away into to paradise. And we're going to free of this pain of this world and all the things we're going through. And I believe that's why in today's time, in our modern culture, Christianity has, has lost its influence and power. We all want to escape this world instead of trying to reestablish the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus, what Jesus started, and we know that what He had done, because in His death and resurrection and sinful life, He says, in, in what part of things says, all the keys of heaven and Hades in Revelation 1, 17, 18 says, and I hold the keys. Of death in Hades, so in his resurrection, he begins to now what devil tried to do in his earlier times to to take over this world and, t- and to destroy God's people and to bring us under the dominion of his power, so that our uh, relationship with God will eternally be broken. Jesus comes and begins to uh, take that away. Do you guys remember when Jesus, uh, uh, right after he was baptized, and we mentioned that? Uh, he goes into the desert, right? And then he fasts for 40 days, and he prays for 40 and 40 nights. And then uh, the, Satan comes and um, tempts him. All right? And in this temptation, uh, several things happen. And in the final passing of that, um, yeah, in Matthew 4... Uh, Right? Matthew 4, 8-10. Uh, through 10, uh, It says this. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The question was this. I always I used to read this as a kid. And I said, how did the devil offer Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he didn't really have them? Was he lying about it? like holding something that was not really there, like an illusion. No, my understanding is the devil had all the kings of the world in his hand. Why? Because when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God and listened to Satan, he, Adam and Eve gave, gave over the authority on t- back to Satan. Not that he had it, but he really, really relinquished it. And we know how that happens, because how do we know that Adam and Eve were called to this kind of authority? Because back in creation... In Genesis 1, 27 to 28, uh, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living Christian that moves on the ground. Their job was not just to enjoy the garden, right? Like we always think when we go to heaven, we're just going to like walk around like, hey, how you doing? You know, like, you just float around and do nothing, right? Heaven is not just doing nothing, guys, and just enjoying, having a long Hawaiian vacation for eternity. There's a purpose in our creation. God created us not only to have communion with him, but to rule with him. There's work to be done, that God's work to be done. And so when Adam and Eve was created, their job was to manage the garden. And they were there to rule over all the creation and take care of it. There was a purpose in their creation. It was not just to hang around and have fun. Right? And then so when when they had this and he brings all the animals to Adam, Adam actually names all the animals. Imagine the brain power that it took. Like, did I use that word again? Was it a monkey or a gorilla? Right? Oh, that looks like an elephant. I mean, this guy was brilliant. Right? Because he was using 100% of his brain. And he was just name all of that. And you guys know what you name, you own. That's why we get to name our kids, right? (laughs) That's why God knows our name. He knew our name before we were created. God owns us. He created us. And so what you name, you own. So there was this authority that God shared with Adam and Eve. And yet in their disobedience. And God said, just one tree, don't eat it. You can eat everything you want. But how somehow we always fall into that trap, right? We have everything, but you always want that one thing that you don't have. What is it about humanity? We're just never satisfied, right? And so the devil comes and lies to them. Yeah, he did. He deceived them. But he listened to the lie instead of listening to God. And in that disobedience, uh, the fallen man, there's a total separation. God says, I cannot have you in this garden anymore. I cannot have you eat from the tree of life. And live in eternal separation from me. I need to kick you out. That was God's mercy, actually. And then his plan begins to unfold in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's, there's a passage that talks about Jesus being the second Adam in First Corinthians uh, 15, 20 to 28. It says, uh, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have been fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then, and then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God. Uh, to, uh, to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Guys, Jesus came back to reestablish the kingdom of God here on earth. And we, as we come into a knowledge and a, and a relationship uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ, we too now are restored as heirs to the throne of God. You guys are royalty. I think we Americans have a hard time uh, accepting kingdom principles. Like, there's a king, and you know we are yeah, royalty, and then you know there's a kingdom. Like, what does it look like? Well, we don't know because we never lived under a kingdom. But we read about it, and the British have done it, right? We we read about the queen. And it kind of sounds silly. I was reading some of the things you you can't do when you meet the queen. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, you can't talk to her unless she talks to you first. Don't touch her. Right? You got to curtsy. There's all these kind of things. And if you're sitting on the left side of her at the table, you you cannot eat until she eats first. All these kind of weird rules. (laughs) And Americans, they say break these rules all the time. So we're not used to it. We're not used to having a, a king or a queen over us. This is kind of a weird concept for us uh, uh, Americans. And so in the Bible, even more, as we come into relation to Jesus, do you see him as our king? Uh, it's it's kind of like daunting, right? Like, how do we act? Like, Jesus as our father, yeah, we know those concepts, family concepts, right? Jesus as a friend, we know those things. Jesus as, you know, our, our companion, and, and the Holy Spirit is our one who helps us. All these kind of concepts, we can have a little understanding. But kingdom, it's very foreign. So we live like we are not royalty. And I want to now mention three things, three spirits that I believe that keeps us from walking in the authority as royalty, as heirs to the throne of Christ. And I want to mention some of these as we close. There's three spirits I believe that uh, most of us are bound by. The first one is... The slave spirit. What do I mean by this? Well, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, and Moses leads them out, right? They're supposed to the promised land. But we know what happens to them. They just go around the mountain, right? So many times God tried to have them go into the promised land. And they're just going around the mountain. The mountain, I go around the mountain when she comes. I hear that song right? when I read the, the Moses story. Like, what happened? Like, they're right there at the cusp of the, the province. God like said, I'm giving this to you. But what happens when they go check it out? The, uh, the spies come back, and 10 of them says, uh-uh, uh-uh, not going there. There's, like, these giants. Uh, there's these, like, crazy guys who just want to tell, tear us apart. We're just, like, we're just little uh, Jewish people, right? No, 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 no. And they get scared looking at what the world has for them before they can get what God has promised to them. So they said, and you know, what happens when they were in the desert? Like, oh man, at least we were slaves. We had garlic and we had all this food to eat. What? We have to eat this manna all the time. Like, ah, oh, where's the water, Moses? Like, we're, we're thirsty. We're like dying of thirst. Like, oh, this desert area. Bring us out to kill us. Like, all is crumbling. Does this sound like some of us? This is what we call the slave mentality, right? This is what God had to break in the desert. So people like Joshua and Caleb and the new generation said, you're going to take the promised land, but are you old folks? I'm sorry. I cannot let that kind of spirit invade into our new place. And so God had to weed it out. Guys, some of us are living like we're still slaves, and, the, and we're not sons and daughters of the king, and, and the symptoms are hard of complaining. Nothing is ever good enough. Oh, oh, you guys ever like to reminisce? Oh, in my golden years, you know, when I was in my 20s, yeah, let's go back then, because I was on fire for the Lord back then, you know, I, I wanted to go on short to missions, and and I just served. I was at church until all night. I didn't care. Oh, the good old days, right? You look at the pictures and you reminisce. Paul says, no, forget what's been behind. Look ahead to what's ahead and run as to win the prize. That's kingdom mentality, guys. Kingdom wants to rule over. We as kingdom people... As God's children, as royalty, as, as kings, as princes and princesses, we need to think about expanding the kingdom for our king. So it's, if you have that, maybe you are under the slave spirit, and you need to come out of that. Second is the orphan spirit. This spirit says, I'm alone. No one loves me. Gosh. If someone just knew about what I went through in the past. The victim mentality, right? You know, I, I'm a special ed teacher. I work with severely emotionally disturbed students. Uh, most of them are clinically depressed. Um, they're cutters. They, they overdose on drugs all the time. Uh, they see life as a one big misery. Why was I even born? Some of them ask me. It would have been be- better if I just not existed. It's not worth living because this life is hard. This is like some of the things you might have been thinking in your mind. You know, no one really cares about me. I've been alone all my years. I, you know, I don't know if God really loves me. This is an orphan spirit. And we need to come out of that. No, you are. God's children, Jesus has redeemed us. His tail uh, torn the veil between God and man. we have free entrance into the Father. God says, I'm here waiting for you, if you would just come. This is the heart of the Father. You are dearly loved. And in Romans 8, later, I'll, I'll read a part of it, but it says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Near death, angels, demons hardships in life, nothing in this world ever will separate from the love of God, Paul begins to say to the Romans. You are more than conquerors in Christ because of the love that Christ has for you. There's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Romans 8, if you ever read, uh, just read one chapter in your whole life, just memorize Romans 8. It'll change your life, I guarantee you. I read that chapter all the time. Why is Paul so adamant about these things? Because he knows that we as people, when we come out of this life that we've been enslaved by, that we've been orphaned by, we even after God has given us all those things, it's like the older son uh, mentality from the prodigal son story, right? The older son is like, dude, really? I've been here all my life serving you. And then this kid who goes and squanders his, and comes back, you throw him a party? Are you kidding me? And most, a lot of us who have grown up in the church, we have this kind of an older brother, woe is me, like, I don't get anything. Mentality, this orphan mentality. And he says to the son, right, what does he say? He said, son, you've been here, all I have is yours. All I have has been yours. All that God has has been yours, guys. You lack nothing to do what God calls you to do. There's nothing that you cannot do for the Lord because you are a king's child. You're an heir to the throne of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Stop living as an orphan because that's, we will never come to the fullness of joy of who we are and who God creates. God has redeemed us to be if we live under His Spirit. And the third one I think is one of the most deceptive ones is what I call the self-spirit or the spirit of pride. This one says, I don't need God. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. I'm pretty enough. I have enough skills. I, I can figure things out on my own. I'm educated. I have all this. I've gone through all these things. I don't need God. I'm my own God. I decide what to do. I get what I want. I'm going to step over other people to get there. This is the world's mentality right now. And a lot of us have fallen into that. Yeah, we have our, uh, our fire insurance. So God is like an insurance package. Yeah, if I get in trouble, God help me. And he's going to come around because I'm going to show my insurance package. All right, fine, you can, I'll save you one time. Heal me, right? But everything else, I'm going to figure out on my own. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to, what, where to go, what to do. I'm just going to do it on my own because I'm good enough. I'm smart enough to figure things out. This is the self-spirit. So get all you can get in this world, right? Because this is all it is. They're not eternally minded. And I think we as Christians fall into this spirit as well. If you have any of these spirits, and I believe this is a pervading spirit that robs us from true joy and happiness in our identity, who it calls to be not only to be restored in a relation with the Father, but that we are called to rule and to reclaim the kingdom of God here on this earth. We have a mission. How do we know that? Because uh, he tells us that uh, in, in Matthew, right? He says... Matthew 28, 18-20 says, and Jesus came to him and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, Now I give it to you. I give it back. What Adam and Eve lost, he says, What I have done on the cross in my resurrection I give it back to you, my bride. And he says, I'm going to leave because someone who's greater, who can do more than what I can do as a physical being. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So what kind of spirit should we have in order to fully be restored or walk back in God's authority? We need the Spirit of God. And I think the Spirit of God has kind of uh, taken a backside in a lot of our uh, relationship with the lord right he's kind of like he's we don't know really do you ever pray to the holy spirit like what like yeah you can pray to the holy spirit he's one of the godhead he actually has feelings we know that because you can grieve the holy spirit he's not just uh you know like i think star wars messed us some of us up. you know i i got messed up i thought I that thought holy spirit was like the force Right? So, like, oh, yeah, the force is coming. May the force be with you. Like, and somehow it's like this thing that overcomes over you, and suddenly like, you get the, you know, ooh, and you get the, no. George Lucas jacked us up. Right? And so we have this mentality, it's like some nebulous thing that it's kind of pervading, and this kind of like New Age talk, right? Like, if you just tap into it somehow, like through meditation or through yoga, we have all these kind of things that we're getting into that we should not touch, guys. The Holy Spirit comes because you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. And you believe in the Son as your Lord and Savior. Then he gives you the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. This is not in any other religion. That God dwells in you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Why do we act like we're slaves and orphans and powerless when we go to places? Why are we so afraid of people and situations? And even the enemy, the devil, we, he has no power of us because God lives inside of us. Folks, stop living as if you have nothing when you have everything of the king. The church needs to start rising up and become who we are. Not that we have fire insurance. Hey, you guys want insurance too? We're not insurance salesmen. You know, now when I look at people, yeah, salvation is important. And God is the one who does that. I don't do the saving. Right? I go and I need to be an exemplification of who I am as a child of God. And part of that being a child of God is that I'm royalty. I am a prince and a princess under a mighty king. And my God owns everything why because he created everything even the guy that we don't like is the worst guy ever we ever met god created him god owns him why do we why are we so afraid guys as a church in this season i pray that as you again meditate on the coming of jesus christ as a a baby. God came as a baby. <laughs> if I was God, I was like, uh-uh. No way, dude. I'm coming as like six foot four, you know. I, I'll, I'll be like more like Saul. That's the one who I would have came and bodied. Full army, right? But he comes as a baby. But, you know, in the end, Jesus is not going to come back that way. Because in that time, he had to be the Lamb of God. In the end, he's going to come as the Lion of Judah. And let me read you as we end. Revelations 19, 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth comes goes a sharp sword, and that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself tre- uh, threads uh, the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a uh, name written... King of kings and Lord of lords. This is our Jesus. This is how he's coming back. You're not going to mistake it when he comes back the second time. People are going to say, who's that? No, they're going to know. You're either you're going to say hallelujah or like, oh, my gosh. Only two responses at that, at that moment. Because then it's over. Guys, you guys are on the winning side. You guys know that you ever watch a football game and you know the results? It's not fun, Right? But it's fun for us because we don't know how we're going to get to the end. But at the end, when the whistle blows, you're going to have the trophy in your hand. So why are you living like you're losers? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who we serve. That's who is over us. You know, I'll tell you, I didn't do this last... You know, when I uh, immigrated to this uh, country, you know, we moved to, we were in Roland Heights. And uh, I started school. I didn't know any English. You know, fat little Asian kid with a bowl haircut. You know, my mom used to actually cut my hair with a bowl under my head. I, I, I am not kidding. She lined us in the in the, uh, in the garage three boys and, you know, stripped all the way to our, just our skimpies. And she used to sit on the and and just put a bowl and cut her haircuts. I remember that. So we went to school like that. I didn't know any English. I didn't know how to talk to these, like, guys who are not uh, Koreans. So I remember, uh, like, I used to get teased a lot. I I, I know I was getting teased, even though I didn't know English. Uh, And my brother, who's three years older than me, so when I started, uh, it was like, I was second grade, and he was in fifth grade. And so I remember one time, we were supposed to walk home together, and he's not there. So I'm, like, waiting for him. And then suddenly, he comes from the office with the principal, I'm like, oh, he, something happened. Right? you know when he walks with the principal, something's gone. So then later I find out he got into a fight. Uh, he got into a fight with this one bully at the school. Uh, he's, he was like bullying everybody, right? And he was making fun of kids, calling us different names. And then my brother, like oh, after about a week, he's like, oh, no, that's it. I know Taekwondo. Like this guy's going down. So they got into a fight. And uh, uh, I mean, he put him, I guess he beat him up. I wasn't there. I just heard from other kids. And uh, you know they called my parents, and uh, and uh, he got he got suspended for a day. And so I thought, oh my God, like end of the world, right? But after that, no one teased me and my younger brother. Somehow, like we were left alone. Like we didn't have to like worry about being bullied or teased. Like I guess the word spread that this uh, this Korean guy. My brother's pretty tall. He's like six one. So even in fifth grade, he was like I think already five six or 5'8". Pretty tall guy. And so, you know, he beat up this guy who was, like, the big bully at the school. And now, you know, like, oh, don't mess with this guy or don't mess with his family. Kind of the news came down. And I didn't have to worry anymore because my brother uh, kind of became the king of the elementary school. <laughs> now, I, it's, it's a funny story. But I say, we have a king who backs us up, who has all power, who has all authority, Who has won over sin and death. Now, I want to talk to those of you who don't know the Lord yet. What are you waiting for? Your salvation has come. Just say yes to Him. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. Your life will change. And you'll begin to see some of the things I'm talking about, what true joy means, what true authority means, what true identity means. Uh, you know, I was I was so afraid. You know, if I told you I had a fear of speaking in public, uh, one time I was giving a report in ninth grade, I almost fainted. And my teacher had to come and grab me and tell me to sit down. You don't believe me, right? There's no fear. There's nothing in your life that you cannot overcome if God is with you. If God is for you, in Romans 8, it says, who can be against you? Friends, uh, I hope you think about this as you move along. Christianity is not just coming to church and doing nice things. and you know, We do all that. That's great. But there's a mission ahead of us that we need to think about that God has each of us to do and has empowered us to do is to reestablish God's kingdom here on earth until it's finally done. And I pray that you will walk in that. Let's pray together. In Romans 8, 14 through 17, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Father, we come to you today. And Father, we we just repent, Father, that we've been walking under the spirit of orphan, a spirit of, of a slave, of a spirit of pride and that has kept us away from fully walking in the things of your Holy Spirit. For, Father, remind us of who we are. The devil has so come to destroy our identity and say that we are not worthy. We're accidents. We cannot do all these things. But, Father, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And, Father, all things work out for the good of those who love you and according to your purpose. Father, these are your promises and you stand. Father, I pray that today you will break these spirits that's been over us, that the enemy has been lying to us. And Father, we break. And Father, let the Holy Spirit reign over our hearts and our minds today, that we may freshly receive Christ in a new way that will bring wholeness and fullness of joy in the things as we do as we walk along in this life with you. So I pray for my brothers and sisters now. I pray, Lord, that you would just come and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Even now, as they sit in this place, they will not leave this place today. Uh, unless they have heard your voice and been filled with your spirit father come and make yourself known in a new way father reveal yourself to us in the things that we have been blind to and that we have been uh, deaf to father may we see and hear what the spirit is doing among the churches today father we give you all the glory we give you all the thanks and we pray this in jesus name Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you and help you take one step closer to Jesus. To contact us or for more information, please go to www.thewellsgv.org.